for it. Here it comes. Oh, a little bit too early. Woo! No, it, it was worth two tonight because that Absolutely. was for, for, I can't talk, Vaughn Hunter-Brinker. Special shout out. That's his song. Awesome. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special, always special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. We are blessed to be your hosts and blessed to spend this next hour with you. And two, maybe we could even say four, very special guests with us in studio tonight. Two are kind of hiding out. We'll We'll leave that in suspense until we introduce them. Uh, no, we're not. We're going to tell you right now. We're very blessed to have Brad and Ellen Hunterbringer Brinker in the studio with us, and uh, accompanied by two little uh, twins—not two twins, twins. Uh, <laughs> we're just doing it. We today. are. Do when so one of the one of the little twiners? Do when are Cosmos July. and Damian do? July. Yes. Wow. Don't say that because people now are going to say you're having boys. So yeah, which they we don't they don't know. know. They know they're having babies. We don't know. Two babies. Yay! A room full of love going on right now, folks. In the midst of the backdrop of things happening in the world and in the culture. We just are so blessed to be with you tonight and be, be aware of simply our identity that God fashioned us for his indwelling spirit and uh, given us the capacity to love, to make love known. So we've said this in the past, and it can't be stated enough that, you know, heaven is not the absence of hell. Heaven is not the absence of hell. Evil is the absence of good. And so the response to evil in this world today, the response to that absence of good, is to proclaim him who is good. To proclaim him who is good. And that's family's noble identity and mission. To make God who is love known. Now, it's not enough just that we are family. That's cool that we're seen together, right? And that we, you know, kind of accomplish survival things that families accomplish, get us to, you know, our sports and our academics and get things done, but to love. And in the amnesia of the world around us, we often forget. That's what happens. We're distracted and we forget our nature. We forget who we are. Christ comes into that, came into that, and comes into that to remind us who we are. Godlike, Imago Dei. And what did he do? He sacrificed himself for the good of others. So the challenge for all of us tonight. And really kind of why we exist, Steph and I, and our mission and purpose is to be awakened and invite others to be awakened to this awesome call to be Christian, Christ-like, that is to sacrifice self for the good of others. The world does not like sacrifice. And let's face it, we struggle with it. It's cold outside me. That, that's an occasion to be like Christ. Um, some of us going through Exodus 90, this awesome 90-day experience of um, fasting and prayer and cold showers and fun stuff. Brett's one of my Exodus 90 buddies. Um, it's a challenge. And the wives. And the wives some, to some extent. Exodus 90. But the beauty of that, and we're approaching Lent pretty soon, is, is the gift of being united in Christ for the mission of making love known. Grace is poured out. When we joyfully sacrifice the great image of Ellen, beautifully pregnant with the twins, the challenge that every mother she does faces. Look so beautiful, by the way. Folks. Amen. So, yes. folks, um, you know, if you wanted to deprive, as Satan does, the power of God alive in this world, if you wanted to diminish that image, what would you do? You'd go after the family. And the ultimate, if you will, metaphor of Satan's attack is the attack on the unborn to kill, to destroy, if you will, this life that comes from husband and wife imaging the Trinity. And um, so just tonight, let's keep that in our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our prayers, that the greatest thing we can do to respond to that evil around us is to avail ourselves to self-sacrificing love to our spouses and in our family. So to help us do that, 
it is a challenge. Sometimes it's awkward. It's difficult to bring us together and really have that empathetic love for one another. It's a challenge. Right now, as you're hearing me, it's easy to maybe listen to the radio. It's easy to go to that event or that retreat. It's difficult to make our homes that place of encounter, to have that empathetic love for one another. So to help us get on that track, beginning February 24th, the week of February 24th, we're challenging you. No, I'm going to say we're inviting you. We're inviting you to experience God's love so powerfully alive in our marriages and families. And if you don't have kids under the roof, through groups. Find out more at a simple place. Get this, ilovemyfamily.us. Ilovemyfamily.us. What is it? It's seven weeks of committing to 45 minutes a week of talking and praying. Now, you hear us say this again also. In the last month, how many different things have we given up 45 minutes for? Ideally, let's face it, we've given up for work, maybe additional practice for sports, maybe your digital devices for sure, most of us throughout the day. Can we give up 45 minutes? And it's really not giving, it's receiving. Can we receive the grace of God in 45 minutes a week to put that flag in the sand as husband and wife and invite our families to meaningful conversation, to discover our nature? That's how we defeat the enemy around us. That's how we claim humanity. So I love my family. .us, plan on joining us through the seven weeks of Lent. It ends, by the way, on April 11th with an awesome Ignite, which will take place at St. Rose at 6.30. So we'll all celebrate on that night, April 11th, 6.30, with an awesome worship experience. We hope you'll join us. So just want to um, ask all of our listeners right now to keep the Kelly family in your prayers, um, and in particular for Kate. So just lift up a special prayer for them. Um, we say this over and over again, uh, our, the battle cry, if you will, Revelations twelve eleven. they defeated the enemy, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, our Holy Mass, and the word of their testimony. And so we, again, are blessed tonight to have the Hunter Brinkers with us in studio, live, in person, <sighs> as awesome and wonderful as ever, um, just to share their testimony with us. And a reminder as we're listening that it's even the little things throughout the day, whether it's at the store, in school, or at work, or whatever, where we share something of God's love or His goodness or allow um, Him to work through us, that those are the testimonies also. And I think too often when we hear that word, we think of it as it has to be some big, huge, mm. you know, conversion story Preach. or, you know, a huge fall from grace and then came back when, praise God that that happens. But we need to embrace the fact that as believers in Christ, that he is our testimonial, that looking at that crucifix, mm-hmm. that that is our testimony, that he loved us enough to bring us to the point of offering us eternal life and salvation. And so he works that way through all the little ordinary things, ordinary things and does the extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So we love to have um, couples and feel extra blessed tonight because these are two very dear friends of ours that we are so... The others haven't been? grateful <laughs> I'm kidding. They're awesome. that um, the Lord has intertwined our lives um, together. But just, you know, the, just the story of their um, histories, both individually and how they came together and now where the Lord has them. So we mm. welcome you, Brett and Ellen, and just be prepared for Greg's little sassy <laughs> comments in the background um, or straight up fronts. But uh, thank you for being with us tonight. Thanks for having us. Thank you. 
So, Alan, ladies first. You get to go first. How did you really kind of come to that place of intentionally seeking to live for Jesus Christ in our Catholic faith? Um, I'm sure there was some stuff that was ingrained in me growing up as a cradle Catholic. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up in little New Regal, Ohio. I love so how about, we say this. New Regal? New Nurgle. Regal. If you're it's from there, word. it's one Nurgle. word. It's yeah. Nurgle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a one-hour drive from here, just south of Fostoria. Um, so I we went to Mass every Sunday, um, you know, went through the sacraments of baptism as an infant, First Communion, First Reconciliation, First Communion, Confirmation. Um, you know, my family went to Mass on the Holy Days of Obligation when very few other people my age were there. Mm-hmm. So it always felt a little like a bummer as that kid nice. having to go through all that. But um, I think it was really my senior year in high school. I attended a Teens Encounter Christ retreat and really got to see these other young women with a heart for Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first time I really experienced that, like them, like, loving Jesus. It wasn't just going to church, going through the motions, following the rules. They just, they love Jesus. They were thankful for what he did for them. So it was the first time I opened my eyes to that. Um, I said that was the first step. I got to pause you a second. I didn't know if there was a second step that we're going into, but just that moment of encounter, I believe punctuates the challenge that many of us Catholics have. And that is the challenge of knowing about God and being faithful and observant, praise God, he's deli- he delights in that. And certainly we ought to you know, pursue him regardless of uh, what we feel, absolutely. But in the last f- couple decades in particular, this language of relationship with Jesus Christ um, has been recovered. It's not even that it's emerged. It was always woven into our Catholicity. It just seemed to be more pronounced in non-Catholic um, denominations. But Catholics, you know, maybe our age, 30, 40, 50, haven't quite known what to do with that relational language. But you literally stepped into an experience of the Paschal Mystery, of course, tech deriving, I think, from Crisio and Chirp. Um, as you experienced that, Ellen, is there anything in the weekend itself that you can point to? And following it, you know, how did it change your lens? How did it make a difference, if you will, from what followed? Sure. Um, there was a point on the retreat where we were in a room and they were passing around a crucifix um, from one person to the other. And when some of these girls would get this crucifix, they just started sobbing. And I'm thinking, why are you crying? You know, mm-hmm. I've seen this every day of my life. You know, we had a crucifix up at home, but never understanding why they were crying. I mean, parts of the weekend aren't just, you know, the emotions of any mm-hmm. weekend retreat. But um, so, I mean, I would love to say that changed me completely. And I went home from that retreat just on fire. But I, I think there was a slow change and a subtle mm-hmm. change. Then once I got to college and saw people, met people and, you know, lived with people who were just really living out their faith, really embracing that relationship that it really started to develop into something more for me. And where'd you go to college? I went to Bowling Green State University. Awesome. So I even think as you say that, Ellen, and Steph kind of set the stage a bit of God through the ordinary. Um, how many of us have crosses in our homes, which we all ought to? Mm-hmm. And it was a couple of months ago, Steph and I were talking with the crosses. There's one at the base of our steps. There's one at the top of our steps. How often do we just walk by them? Mm-hmm. And we're surrounded by them. They become normal. Uh, and when I say normal, I mean mute. I mean immu- um, without that sense of potency because we're not aware of what happened. But you were on that weekend, and it was set up for you to kind of look at Jesus and to consider what he did for you and does for us personally. Just a challenge to us tonight even, that, that a simple thing is a cross on our wall that merits 
more than just walking by, but looking at him and being mindful that what he did for us is relevant, not just in the big picture of our lives, but maybe even in that moment of whatever is going on with us, that he is wanting us to know that he is present to us. No, that's awesome. So um, College Bowling Green, and you, you kind of accepted your faith, and it was, uh, we involved in Bible studies there. You know, how, how important was it to have a community to you that reinforced that faith at Bowling Green? I don't think I knew it was important to me until I got to college. And, um, you know, I went to Mass on Sundays in college still. And, what um, a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> it was ingrained in me from the start. Right. No. Um, but, yeah, I went to Mass on Sundays and got involved with Catholic Newman Club. And so we were kind of more of a service-oriented um, group, like um, social justice kind of things. And then there was another Catholic group on campus, Creed on campus. And at the time, they were doing... Oh, not fundamentals. Apologetics. Apologetics thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that intimidated me a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, I have to actually know about my faith. It's more than going to mm-hmm. mass. And um, so I did a little bit of creed on campus, but um, acts of service is my love language, like my way to show love. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think Newman Club really struck me. Um, I didn't know that was my love language until I learned about them. But um, it made sense why I enjoyed Newman Club a lot. And so, yeah, we did faith-based activities and... Um, so it was good. It just helped to be other peers who were living out the faith, especially on a secular college campus. Um, it made a difference to have that support for mm-hmm. just even like the social events, watching the Super Bowl, or mm. we did a formal dance and to benefit the St. Vincent de Paul Food Pantry at St. Thomas More. And so it was just a good atmosphere to be a part of. So I hear blessing. I hear that you were, were blessed to really kind of have a focus um, certainly the Catholic faith, but an ethical sense about you. A question that I have to ask is, all of us are presented with the apple, the shiny fruit in the garden in some respect, whether it's through our friends, the media, the culture, you know, image, appearance issues. Obviously, a lot of your peers, probably a good number of them, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, all that thing going on there. How did you experience, I don't know, the gravitas of the enemy working among your peers and how did that maybe, I don't know, reinforce your own faith? Oh, boy. You can pass uh, <laughs> if you want. You're on a college I campus, mean, and I right. hear a good kid, and I know you're, you know, we're blessed in a special way, but how did you interact with that? Um, well, my college roommate, um, we're not really in touch now, but she, I would say, was living in the culture a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a boy would come to our dorm room late at night, or she mm-hmm. would go out to the bars on the weekends, and... Um, one time I did go out with her to the bars. And I think that was the last time I went out. Cause I'm like, this is just too uncomfortable. This is too weird. I don't like this. <laughs> so I went home later. Um, but, um, it was hard though, because you did want to fit in, especially since mm. the majority, I think of the, the majority of the girls on my dorm room floor were Into not practicing. Mm. Yeah. Of the culture, I guess you would say. Mm. So I don't know. It was, Tough at times, but again, yeah, having that good support group at St. Tom's, I think, made a difference, too, to know that there's other people not doing what the culture presented. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very blessed and definitely God's grace working to help me get involved there. Brett. Greg. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? By the way, folks, Brett is the, the coordinator voice. of evangelization and parish life for the Diocese of Toledo. Did I get that right? You did, actually, yes. That's awesome. So you've heard his voice. Man, myth, legend here, Annunciation Radio. Radio. Um, just a great task. Keep him in your prayers and his mm. his team that he's part of there at the diocese. Just passionate about uh, awakening hearts and minds to the fullness of this faith and living it out in parishes mm. and all that. So um, that's maybe 
punctuating the end of the story. But mm-hmm. now let's go back to the very beginning, <laughs> little Brett. Brett, share with us the little, <laughs> little story Brett. leading up to uh, what were the circumstances of you more intentionally encountering Christ? Uh, very similar to Ellen, just growing up in a cradle Catholic home. Mom came from a, a big Catholic family in Cary, Ohio, with the Basilica down there. And um, dad was not Catholic. Yeah. I just want to interject. So some of Brett's awesome. aunts and uncles oh, yeah. went to school with my mom's siblings oh. um, at the <laughs> school associated with the Shrine OLC in yeah. Cary. Um, some of them overlapped in grades, which we didn't find out until once we were yeah. dating so cool. and engaged. But it's just like a That's side so little. Cool. And, we, we knew, and we did find out we were not ever at all cousins uh so going back to so my mom so mom big fan big catholic family um most of them still like all the siblings are still practicing uh cousins obviously but falling away but uh dad um I, he grew up i'm not sure exactly what denomination he was actually to tell you the truth but he um and my wife's looking at me because i always say that phrase but he uh he converted to Catholicism, and um, and so they um, when they got married uh, before actually uh, my father was me previously married, okay. and so got became Catholic, but with that uh, wife divorced, annulled, married my mom. Um, and so, uh, I didn't find that out until I was about 14. So, <laughs> um, but went to St. Josephania, uh, uh, and, and Catholic school, great school up there. Uh, really, I, I feel, feel like, um, that really helped form me in a lot of who I am today with, with, with just two amazing parents. Um, but I, I, like I was telling you guys earlier, I, I had a lot of great religion history classes. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about who... And what happened 2,000 years ago, um, but really never was taught, even in my 16 years going through college of Catholic education, never really was taught how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or even that I could have a relationship with Jesus Christ and stuff. So there's a lot going on at St. Josephania, Josephania, um, and then went to Toledo Central Catholic, um, went to Mass regularly, Holy Days of Obligation from what I remember, but I went to a Catholic school, so usually we went there, um, not in the evenings, and so... Um, and my mom taught at Central Catholic, so she went to school, you know, class and masses and everything stuff. So, um, it's just a normal, you know, just, so just Catholic life. Fabric, just, yeah. yeah, it was just, uh, there. And then until probably college is when I started to, I still living at home, but it started falling away a little bit at that time. So why my friends were the culture. Um, I would, cause I don't feel like I was really well formed in my faith completely of why to answer the question is why do I need to go to church? Uh, why do I need to go every Sunday? Um, is it really a sin to miss mass on, you know, you start missing one or two and then you go back and you miss three or four and then you go back and then it's three or four months and it's Christmas. Is it a sin? Uh, now that I know, I'm kind uh, of now that I know, <laughs> it's sure. a sin. Yes, I but mean, to those the, who are listening right yeah. now, and you know, might be in that space, teenagers or collegians, or the case. Maybe. No, yeah. I mean, is is it a sin? And and I guess even more, how um, in some sense now in that experience is it being depriving ourselves of something mm. really fundamental? Yeah, I mean, so the whole you know mortal sin, you have to was the three things you have to know, you have to it has, has to, to be, be grieve, grave, right? Grave matter, grave matter. No, it's consent, grave matter, and consent. And do it anyway. So I mean, as long as all three of those are there, and I'm sure one or two of those were not when I was in college because I didn't, I didn't believe it, I didn't think it. I mean, I, I was taught it, but it was really just more history and stuff. So, so uh, today I would say yes because all three of those, and for any mass we were to ever miss, I know for a fact in my heart, in my mind, that it would be a grave mortal. 
mortal sin for me to miss mass. And that includes holy days of obligation. That includes really just anything and everything that our Catholic church, it's, it's a beautiful, I love the, I love all of our, our uh, seasons. I mean, we get seasons just like, you know, the weather does. And we've got all these amazing seasons in the Catholic church. I can't imagine missing any of them. A little more predictable, but yeah. Say so a little more. <laughs> yeah. True. So, so there's a big difference between going to mass yeah. and being at mass and I think we all struggle with that, that we can go through Mass and miss the banquet altogether, not digest, mm, not amen. receive. And you had some authenticity. Let's just pronounce it. Some mm. people perhaps go there and they don't realize that there is a kind of soul banquet to be received. So understandable. Many say, you know, I see the people around me and you make judgments. Mm. They're no different than me. And I know the language that comes out of their mouths and they really act no different. And what's the point? Yeah. And it's, it's uh, reduced. And there is a moment of, I think, crisis that hopefully we have. You know, if, if that's all there is, is just jumping through these hoops, then you're right. Why bother? Why go? In fact, we're bringing a mockery about, mm-hmm. you know, we're making a mockery of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So as much as you can, um, share with us, Brett, the awakening, you know, Ephesians 5.14, awake, oh sleep, arise mm-hmm. from your death, let Christ's light shine on you. Take us from that moment of questioning and, and disinterest, if you will, to encounter that, you know, brought you to present day. Uh I don't know the exact day. It was fall uh, 2005, um, Wilmington, Ohio. Uh, It was in a church there. Christopher West was the the speaker talking about Theology of the Body. I had just, um, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Clarissa Ordorica, had introduced me to Creed on Campus, St. Thomas More, uh, my father, Michael Dander, and all that kind of stuff, Mary Alice Noonan. And, and so I had kind of gotten involved with that. But the, once I heard that message from Quist- Christopher that day about Theology of the Body, I simply said, what in the world were, was the Catholic Church teaching me in school uh, for, for 12 years? Um, what struck you beyond just the history or the, the, the conceptual aspects? Like, what spoke to your heart in that? Why I'm here on earth. I mean, why, why am I truly here? Um, not that just God, God, you know, formed me in the womb and all that stuff, knew me before I was in the womb, all that, you know, biblical things and stuff like that. It was, it was words from our Pope, John Paul II. It's saying, yeah, exactly. Definitely for that one. And he, just the terminology that he uses, and it, it's ingrained in us as male and female, and he stamped that into our bodies and why we are created in, in the image of him. And I mean, there's just, the, the, and the list goes on with theology of the body. It's so huge. And I'm still unpacking it after 12, 13 years of, of knowing the theology of the body or learning it for the very first time. But when he just started to unpack it, in the church with 400 other people, I mean, my heart just, just leapt. I mean, it was just opened. And, um, and since then I would say, I I can honestly say I've probably, I I may have missed one mass in my entire life since then Sunday mass. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's been ingrained with me and it's really, it changed who I was. I was always, I had a great foundation. I had great ethics. I thought, I, I, I believe I have really good ethics. My father and mother taught me very, you know, well, and, and who I was as a person, person, as a Christian person, but I didn't really truly know. And that, that's really what dove me deep into the Catholic faith. So that's what brought me back, um, with the help of, um, like I said, Mary Alice and father Michael Dandrian. Um, they, with Creed on campus, their apologetics, I learned so much more about the Catholic faith in three or four years of being with Creed on campus than I had in 12 years of Catholic school. Is it fair to say that that Theology of the Body Day kind of gave you a lens to look at 
everything in a, in a, in a, in a you saw faith in a mm-hmm. relevant way. Yeah. It wasn't just conceptual, but it was alive and it yeah. had pertinence to. Yeah, to use a Christopher West terminology, we were, you know, the whole world goes around on flat tires and they think it's normal. We're just driving around on flat tires when, so all of a sudden that day, my tires were inflated and I finally was able to, we had a show right here on Annunciation Radio called The Perfect Lens. Mm -hmm. So it was before that I just had these foggy lens on thinking it was, I was just seeing clearly and then all of a sudden one day... I went to the eye doctor and said, here's your new pair. And it actually became clear to me. And I opened my eyes and could see the world a different way. No, that doesn't mean I didn't stop uh, lusting after women right away. It doesn't mean I just stopped, you know, all this, you know, stopping everything in the world that I did bad. However, it made me think and realize a little bit more that this was, I needed to be, to, to be this way. This is who I, I'm made to be and who I am. So Easter Eve, that came yeah. after that period of time? Oh. <laughs> so go back. And I, she, she's going back. I'll go back. I, I don't know if I've actually ever told this story publicly, but so my 21st birthday, so this, that was okay. in 2005. So I was 25 okay. at the time. This so going backwards, it's, it's funny. So going back to the whole you know culture thing, my 21st birthday fell on Easter Sunday. Of course, of all day, my birthday's fallen on Easter Sunday like three times. And it hasn't since 21st, 21st birthday. And I think God did that for a reason because I... I Clash of the Titans, secular culture and yeah. easter so my <laughs> buddies win? my buddies who will remain nameless david and brian took me out for dinner <laughs> and drinks and um and that was probably and, 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 drinks, and drinks and drinks and drinks and drinks and more drinks and ellen's i think they seen pictures and heard stories and uh that was i was telling uh, so we would go to st josephania they have a balcony i think in the, in the 21 years of my life i think we've sat in the balcony one or two times and that was because we were forced to because of overcrowds we got there early enough on easter sunday that we could have sat down below, but I think my parents I realized that I was not. Uh, you were flying <laughs> high in more ways than one, <laughs> and so I had my head down between my legs for most yeah. of the mass. So, but but but, and then for, fast forward four years mm-hmm. later, that's when the mass truly came alive through the theolo- the lens mm-hmm. of theology of the body. And and anyone who's not ever read it, but you might hear of this stuff or oh, Christopher West, you know, he's radical and da da da, whatever truly look at what the the pope teaches um and look into the theology of the bible teaching because it's just a beautiful message um that's really honestly from god himself Mm -hmm. uh through saint john paul ii um, unpacking genesis that whole genesis 127 in his image he made the male and female he created them that it says you said stamped in Mm -hmm. our bodies you know this is the 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 ultimate epic battle before all of us on the earth right now, it's the question of our identity. And in modern society, we have, you know, billionaires making a lot of money trying to connect their product with our identity. And so many of us at some level buy into that, and we keep getting more frustrated, whether it's food or what we wear or pursuit of more money or whatever the case may be. The beauty of Theology of the Body to me was it awakened me to my unsurpassed identity. Meaning, one, I can't earn, one that I, I, I don't deserve, mm-hmm. but to be a son of God in Jesus Christ and to understand that phenomenal identity that, um, that really is a capacity for intimacy. And honestly, you know what? I, I love that we have husbands and wives giving testimony here. I don't know anything about most of our listeners, but I do know this. Our greatest desires are to be loved mm. and to love. Mm. Our deepest yearning. And um, the challenges that we face are all resulting from not 
clearly connecting with the nature of that love. So we love things, right? We use people and all of that. So anyways, folks, tonight is uh, you're listening to uh, Brett and Ellen's talk. And just as we are approaching Lent pretty soon, know at least here, we, we declare it and pronounce it, and we'll move on with the story, that um, God wants us to more fully become aware of our nature in Him, made male and female, to give Him glory. So the story they meet. <laughs> Tell us the story, and I know there may be his and hers version, and we'll have multiple episodes. But... <laughs> or you so, can just laugh and look at each other. So, <laughs> as, so as Ellen said, so she went to Bowling Green State University. A friend of our, a mutual friend of ours, um, who we are dear friends with, uh, Clarissa Ordorica, uh, brought me down to BGSU to be a part of a Bible study, and then introduced me to Creed on campus and St. Thomas More. And so, um, I was probably on campus about a year earlier than Ellen arrived uh, on campus, and then I so I got involved with that and through creed on campus catholic newman club st thomas more um that mutual we had a lot of events that were that overlapped and com- collaborated do you remember the first time you saw her oh mm, good question i know mm. newman club hosted a thanksgiving dinner i think my freshman year mm. and we invited the Creed on Campus core team to join us. and Ooh, Which I was on. Which Brett was on. So I was handing out the invitations, and I looked up his name on Facebook, and it just said Brett Hunt. So that's how I addressed his invitation, <laughs> and that's how I gave it to him, because I'm like, oh, that's You're what Facebook says. <laughs> and then I also had a sweatshirt that said Vaughn, and so most people thought my last name was Vaughn, Brett Vaughn. So, you know, hey. So no one oh, really bad. knew my true name. So, <laughs> so first impression, when great. you guys first kind of knew <clears throat> each other by name, yeah. first impression, Brett, of Ellen. Catholic girl here at St. Thomas More. I mean, just another one. So there were a lot. So I was on. So I was marketing director for Creed on Campus. So I was a coordinator, or whatever. I was in charge of marketing, and I always wanted the slogan to be "Come for the women, stay for God," because there were t- three times as many women as there were guys. That's great so, marketing. It, I thought they, they so. No one took. It. They had a problem. What? It's very theology of the body. It is. Too. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I, I mean, not, I, nothing comes to mind when I first met her. You know, and and we just became friends over time. Thank you. <laughs> so Ellen, no. reverse <laughs> first impression. Um, my first impression Brett of Vaughn. Brett was Hunt. Um, Brett Hunt. <laughs> Shoot him. Who is that geeky guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Amen. No, he did like all the behind the scenes tech yeah. stuff. Like I think one Ohio State Michigan party, he would like pull up the Ohio State fight song on his iPod when Ohio State scored a touchdown and like <laughs> just that sort of stuff. So I'm like, he is just a weird tech guy. <laughs> Not at all in my mind what I imagined I would marry someday. <laughs> but God knew what I needed. So so step us forward. Um, I know. The geek squad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Brett. Return to the nerd. <laughs> um, I know there was a summer between my sophomore junior years I think so. um we went down to see a dirks bentley concert yeah. and we stayed the night at another friend from creed on campus his house his parents house um but i rode down with brett and it was just like totally fine we're friends just hanging out and he drove you know me back to bluffton where i had met him up when he was where he was working at the time and I'm like all right that was a fun weekend did not think twice about anything and then the following year between my junior and senior year right before we got done with college or right before we got done with spring semester yeah. one of my roommates um was like, Ellen, um, so what would you do if you found out one of the guys 
liked you or wanted to date you, like, but not saying who it was. So automatically, I'm like, who is this? You really didn't know. I really didn't know. I mean, at the time, there was another guy who was interested in dating me, which is a whole new scenario for me to have anybody interested in dating me because I never really had, like, had like the junior high boyfriend where we wrote letters back and forth, and <laughs> that was it. Aww. So, um, so I was like, what, what, what do you mean? Um, so it finally came out that it was Brett, and I'm just like, huh. Just like that, huh? <laughs> you guys are missing the visual. <laughs> You're missing Rinker. the visual on this. It's kind of a little bit of contempt meets intrigue. Meets... I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. I and mean, all the guys there, most of the guys there, 99.9% of the guys involved with St. Tom's were good guys. And you knew, yeah. like, you couldn't go wrong if any of them wanted to date you, yeah. which was kind of a reassuring thing for me, especially seeing what my roommate had gone through as far as like a different right. guy coming into the dorm room. And then mm. I don't know. So Brett, did you go the old, I'm going to talk to her roommate first. Or? I did. Okay. Yeah, what's going I on did. With that? Come on. I know I did not man up and do it. Finally, I manned up and did it. But I mean, so I went around the back door just to see if there was any interest at all at all. And so cause there was safe. a little bit of age difference between us. There's seven and seven and plus uh, years right now. So, <laughs> so she was 15 seven, and you were 22, seven plus eight yeah. years. Seven. Uh, you could have babysat her. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> Gregory. Uh, no. So re- we'll rewind about a year. So it was 2008. Uh, her roommate, Marley, with her under the bus, uh, and I went on a uh, pilgrimage with 34 other people from St. Thomas More to Roma, CC, and Fatima, Portugal. Wow. And so after that trip, Marley went to Ellen. Marley came home and she's like, Ellen. And she would like, you know, express different interests in different guys. And she comes home and she goes, Ellen, so you'll never guess who I'm crushing on. Like who? Because there were numerous guys who I like would thought would be legitimate options. And then she says, I think I like Brett. And I just lost it. I'm like, are you kidding me? You want to date Brett? Why would you want to date him? I know. Poor Brett. Were you the litany of humility at this time? I was not. I needed to. <laughs> Apparently I needed to. I didn't know I needed to. So till later. But And, and so on, on that trip, though, same trip is now her now husband, Cameron. So Cameron and Marley now married down in florida so that which is just funny i mean again a lot of great amazing um vocation stories come out of uh mm-hmm. st thomas more creed on campus catholic newman club um and so so that was a year before that and which i had no interest in marley again great friend lover to death just didn't have that spark or whatever you want to call it you know and so a year later then i said some interest in there so I finally get the courage. I ask her out and she says, yes. And we go, and then I go shortly after it was right after school ended. I go down to new Regal where, and meet her family. And it's not just family. She's one of six. So it's her mom, dad, all family, brother, wa- brother's wife, brother's kids. And the first thing all I remember is we had, I think it was Bosa's. So new, new Regal, Regal cafe. cafe, the ribs, the ribs, famous for the ribs, new Regal cafe sitting there, which I'd had growing up at, from Carrie. But, and so next thing you know, is this little boy, Gavin has her nephew comes around the corner and says, daddy and Papa want you to come shoot guns with them. <laughs> and, and I look at her, I just said, tell my family, I love them. <laughs> and, and so I just walked gently behind the barns and I pick up my hearing aid or hearing protection and pick up the gun and nailed the first can. Showed I them what's what. First shot, hit it, I put the gun down, I'm done. <laughs> well, at least they didn't have a picture of you on the target yeah. or something like that. You know? So uh, back me up a second though because you, you obviously expressed that interest. Yeah. So Ellen 
your response when he finally manned up and asked you, like, like, had you been put some thought into it since the seed was planted by friend? How that how did that work out oh, for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like I said, there was another guy at the time who was interested in dating me, so he and I were like kind of hanging out. Um, but then like Brett came into the picture, so I really didn't know how to proceed with that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other guy and I, like, you know, I told him one afternoon, like. So Brett expressed some interest, and I think I want to date him. So <laughs> I'm not sure what the, I know. I was really good at that that summer because <laughs> he has um, guns. So. <laughs> because a no. month later, no, it was like so. I don't know. And then I think Brett and I yeah. talked, and we hung out a few times. Yeah. I mean, I was back at home for my parents for that summer between semesters in college. So um, there wasn't, but like I said, it was new for me for dating, mm-hmm. and communication wasn't a strong suit in my household growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was new for me too to try and figure out. There was a lot of text messaging back and forth, which is yeah, still is today. Really, honestly, we communicate a lot via text when I'm. But at now work we also live together. But we live together. We actually communicate. That's when we're not in the same room. Not the best mode. Not we're not we're in the same house. When I'm at work, please, I want to go to sleep. Yeah, but that summer we dated. I don't know. I just never like. I just assumed it would be, I would be totally at ease. I would know that this was great. I mean, this was perfect. Like we had prayed even while we were dating or dating that summer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There was a point where I'm just like, this is just too weird. I can't, I don't know what it is, but it was Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. So I made it more uncomfortable by sending Brett a text message saying, I think we should stop dating. And he sends me one back saying, do you want to talk about this? And I sent another text back. I said, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> so Dumped really, via text. A really weak moment on my part. But um, we've come a long way. Modern yeah. love. <laughs> it all worked out. For So fast forward through to in, into the next Kept her senior year. Second yeah. text. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, how, how does Brett, Brett receive these texts? Oh, I'm I'm. I'm crying. I mean, like, I wasn't like, oh, we, we'd only been dating for like, what, two months, maybe two maybe. and a half months, something like that. So it wasn't, a, but there was a friendship that was sure. built before that. And so it was yeah. kind of, it was hard to hear that or see that. And like, and then for her not to want to even chat about it or talk about it, it was like, uh, okay. So um, I kind of let it go though. And, and the summer just went on. And so then senior year, start of senior year, of course, back at BGSU, a lot of mutual events and things like that. Still, I think it, I don't know if there was anything even awkward. I think it was just like we were just back to friends again. No, so. I don't think it was. Because <laughs> so. I think oh, that's one of the own. reasons See, why I wanted to, like, it out. that summer was weird for me because when we had gone down to that concert and we were friends, oh, everything yeah. was just so regular yeah. and mm-hmm. felt normal mm-hmm. and no pressure for anything. But then once we started dating, it was just, it felt really different to me. But, um, but I remember that semester, though, like, there'd be different events and Brett wasn't there and I'd feel really disappointed. I'm like, wait a minute. Why would I feel disappointed if I'm the one who (laughs) said, I don't want to date you anymore. Um, so one of my girlfriends, Gina, um, she was having like a weird relationship thing and she wasn't one to like date around either, but we're like, well, let's do a man fast. Not that we really needed to fast because they were not guys knocking on our doors, lining up. It sounds good. So I easy. Know. We're like, it just made, it just rolled off the tongue a lot easier. Um, so for the month of December, we, prayed a novena i couldn't remember what the novena was and i think we prayed i don't know what else but we had our series of prayers that we would pray and then um i think my end goal was to understand where to proceed with brett because i kept feeling called to want to see him at different things and i had no idea where he was but then come to find out one of our friends had gotten married and he was there with another girl and then all of a sudden on facebook he's in a relationship with her and i'm just like like, totally devastated 
Good tactics, Brett. That's really strategic. I love that. Thanks. (laughs) Not at all. But um, so since he lived up here in Toledo and I was in nursing school, um, a lot of our classes were at UTMC. So his house was five minutes Mm -hmm. away from UTMC at the time. So I would get in touch with him and my girlfriends that I would carpool up from BG. There were four of us. like in between classes, we would have a big break. Occasionally, we would come to Brett's house to hang out just to get off campus because it was nice just to have that break from all that. So, wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Yeah, Partially, maybe. <laughs> but sometimes he wasn't there though because he was working. So, um, so at one point in December, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just ask Brett, you know, tell him thank you for letting us stay at his house. So, we went out to dinner in Panera and Bowling Green and he drove me back to my apartment and dropped me off and I was ready to walk inside the apartment. But then I turned around and walked back out to his car, and I don't know, what did I say? I think we should start dating again, yeah. maybe. <laughs> so and you verbalized it, you didn't I, text it. No, I Good verbalized it. Like, it. it was really bold and out yeah. of my comfort zone, but... And at this um, time, um, the girl I was seeing, uh, it was... was uh, we were our, it wasn't i knew it wasn't going anywhere and we knew we were going to stop dating anyway so i knew the girl i, I, I it was going to end very quickly anyway so uh, it this it just kind of all it was like okay this is how it's supposed to be uh so god's telling me okay i need to end this relationship and then move on and and so it was still early though in december when this all happened and then so i wasn't allowed to date ellen until january 1 because of the man fast. The man. The man you were the fast. man, Bratz. <laughs> you were the man. So when you guys started to date again, if mm-hmm. you will, how you were obviously both very involved at St. Tom's and the other things that you had described. Um, how did faith play a role, or did it play a role in your relationship other than those active things? Like you go to mass together. Oh yeah. Did, you, you yeah. Mentioned you- a lot of daily mass at our exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. They said like on Wednesday nights there was nine p.m. mass followed by exposition for praise and worship and everything like that. So we do went to that a lot. Evening prayers, night prayers. Yeah, I was part of the women's household, so yeah. like we had our structured prayers as part of the household. But I think even in our relationship. Yeah. We would pray together or like if he would write me a letter, he'd like, you know, praying for you, your brother in Christ. And that's something I never mm. again, like growing up, I wasn't taught theology of the body growing up. Mm. I knew there was like, you know, guys, girls, the birds and the bees kind of thing. Right, right. But um to understand, like, he loved me first as his sister in Christ mm-hmm. before he loved mm-hmm. me as his girlfriend um so we did a retreat together my senior year it's the first time he said i love you and i'm just like what did you just say <laughs> so it caught me off guard but it was well good. that merits one of these <laughs> okay anyways tech geek right here <laughs> if, if vaughn's still awake he's marching around the yeah that's the great loves to that's watch great. the marching band so so um we're hearing you from a Catholic perspective mm-hmm. and understanding the great beauty of um, a spiritual friendship and the virtue that it takes versus the culture, which operates on a different level, mm-hmm. um, often tends to be about gratification and mutual gratification and can trend to, let's face it, using of others type of thing around us. You, you both had at this point and prior to a sense of God's design um, for man and woman, and the friendship foundation of that. Um, how do you speak to maybe teenagers and those in their 20s who are bombarded right now uh, and navigating through so much of that right now, and let's face it, keep coming up short, 
And maybe hearing your words, and it seems a little bit alien, maybe even seems like a little bit churchy or religious-y, you know, as opposed to something that really is a good for the human person that fosters, again, we said earlier, that desire to truly love and truly be loved. Speak to them. Um, I would speak, I think, to, like, the teenager and girl in the early 20s, because, like I said, I really didn't have, like, any boyfriends in high school, and my best friend, she had a series of boyfriends, and I don't think any of them were bad relationships, but it, it was still a string where I'm sure there was some hurt in there that she had to go through and overcome before getting to the point where she is now um, in her marriage. Um, so it was hard to see at the time, but looking back, just God's grace and all of that saving me from that hurt. So mm-hmm. if there's any young girls out there who are frustrated by not having a boy interested in them, I mean, you have time, A. And B, you know, just really embrace your relationship with Jesus. Have that established now so that way when your time comes for your future spouse to come into your life, your relationship can be that much more richer mm-hmm. by already having that foundation. Yeah, for me, I I I lived very much in the culture probably from 19 to 24, 25, right before the theology of the body coming into Creed on campus and all that stuff. So um, I'm the one that probably hurt a lot of people. I Actually, I know I hurt a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, and I know I was hurt as well. Um, and I've tried to make uh, reconciliations with all the people that I know I hurt, um, whether we, it, whether it was mutual, obviously, I mean, everything sure. was mutual, but it's still, it was the way, way things went down and stuff. So, and then, and then, at, so I, and, and now I ask the question is, is like, what, what you need to pray for your future spouse now? Like, what do you think, where's your future spouse right now? You, you may not even know. And back then I, I didn't know my future spouse and I wasn't praying for my future spouse. Uh, until I came into Creed on campus, and then I was praying for my future spouse. Um, but where is your future spouse right now? And you don't may not know. You may not know this person. It may be somebody that you've known for your whole life, um, but you don't know what God's calling you to. And so, um, just p- continue to pray for whoever God is calling you to. Whether it's uh, whether it is a marriage relationship, you know, it is a marriage, or it's a vocation to the priesthood or religious life uh, as an option as well too. But um, that's something that I definitely. Um, and I asked for, before we really even got into our relationship, I basically poured out my whole entire life to Ellen prior to even doing this because I knew that this she was the she was it. If this was going to go, this was going to be. And so within the first month or two of our relationship, I said, "This I've got to get this out and I've got to say all this to you. And I know it hurt her. I know it hurt her. And I had to apologize to Ellen um, of all of my wrongdoings prior to even knowing who she was. Um, and let alone, um, knowing who she now, who now is my amazing, beautiful spouse. Who's Ellen, how did you receive that? And perhaps I'm intuiting that it strengthened your relationship all the more. I think when he first told me, um, it was easy to forgive him because I knew that wasn't who he was now because I knew him as a friend first and, after his conversion, um, knew the formation he had received and knew he genuinely received that formation. Um, I think it was one point when we were engaged that like it hit me again. It's like, wow, he did those things. Why did he not wait for me? Mm. Um, so that was a hard day, I think, when it hit me. But we talked through it and mm. processed it. So and I had to remind myself that's not who he is mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. knew he was genuinely sorry for past hurts and past actions. What's beautiful about that, I think, is cultivating, number one, transparency and authenticity. Um, 
with the one that we love, and secondly, that quality of necessary mercy. Sooner or later, maybe not, the, hopefully not those sorts of things, although even some married couples, infidelity and whatever happens, and you need to rela- radically rely on Christ and recognize your need for him. Share with us maybe a little bit how practically your Catholic faith has carried you into marriage and now five children. Um, and, and just, you know, what are some lessons as, as a younger couple with, again, pregnant with two, three, uh, wonderful little ones running around. Um, so there's a lot of dyna- dynamism there. There's a lot of activity there. What are some things that God has taught you and together as a husband and wife um, and helped you become, if you will, in the words of the immortal Led Zeppelin, build each other stairway to heaven? <laughs> Um, it's not about me. <laughs> mm. Truth, That's, yeah. which is hard a lot of days for me. Um, yeah. But it's not, you know, if I want to see Brett in heaven, I have to make it about him and our kids. Mm-hmm. I need to make it about them and um, just offering up my little wants and desires for them and kind of giving it to them as a sacrifice. Far from perfect on that, but. Yeah, it's definitely a sacrifice. I mean, I, I, I th- I'm going to butcher the quote, but St. Gianna uh, Mola, um, Brenna Mola uh, said, love and sacrifice is like sun and light. Um, they just, they can't be separated. So without love, there is no sacrifice. Mm. Without sacrifice, there is no love. Mm. And so, it, and I mean, it. after we named our daughter, our oldest daughter, Gianna, uh, our only daughter right now that we know of, uh, we found, uh, we find a lot of these quotes and readings and stuff like that and stuff. That's so the fact that I have to sacrifice every single day of my life, um, and it, and Ellen's got a harder job than I do, staying at home with the kids uh, by far. But it's it hurts me to be away from them. Like I want to be home with them. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I I I love my job. I love what I do. I love working working for the Catholic Church. But I would love to be home with my family. Now, granted, I know we both need our alone time at times. Um, but. I want to be with them. And so for me to sacrifice my time away from my, and you know, the children cry sometimes after I leave for work in the morning or usually they're probably jumping up and down right after that, but they're, they're, they're at least acting. (laughs) They're just hungry in the morning. That's (laughs) that's what it is. Um, but it's just a sacrifice to leave them, um, to, to make the money to come home and to, to be with them. But, uh, you know, before I think when our, we had our first child, I would come home and Ellen would like give me 15, 20 minutes of alone time and just for me just to wind decompress, down, decompress, yes. just relax, maybe have a beer or whatever it is. And then now it's like, nope, forget it. Here's a kid. Here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the. I need to run all these. And, yeah, yeah. and it's a sacrifice <laughs> yeah. for me. And that's okay because that's this is who this is God's calling. And. Um, so sacrifices is, is, is love. Um, so every time I know, and she sacrifices a lot for me. And so every time I see her sacrifice, I know she loves me that much more. So at risk of sounding cheesy, I just need to proclaim to our listeners that you guys give great witness on so many levels, but two of the things that stand out to me knowing you as we do is, um, your witness of delight in each other. Even amidst those little looks that you're giving each other in the background. <laughs> in your marriage and all that that means. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. everything that you just mm-hmm. described, even Brett. But the um and on a on a um incarnational level, I'm gonna try to sound like Greg Schleter. Um <laughs> the delight people. that you guys evidently have in your children. Mm. 
even on difficult days, and I know there's difficult moments, mm-hmm. it's the that's just parenting, right? Mm. But like that is such a graced place, and so I proclaim that truth. And um, I know for me, I'm like I need to regain some of that sometimes. You know, it's sometimes it's a little easier when they're younger, not always, mm. but just that is so godly and grace filled. Yeah. And so thank you for that witness. And um, the other thing that I just love about you two, again, among many is your intentional formation of your kids. Mm. Like you desire them to know Jesus Christ and, and the beauty of our Catholic faith, but just in all the little ways and, and certainly in, you know, evidently Catholic, Christian, whatever, God things, but even in just the ordinary things that, you know, to show them the world God bathed, if you will, to use Frank Sheed's quote, but just that that it all works together. It's all interwoven. And so I don't know if, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to say that and wanted to say that because it's so true, the delight and then your intentional formation in that. So I don't know if you have anything to say to parents who might be struggling either in marriages or with their kids or, I mean, what, if you had three minutes to speak to the world. (laughs) This is the question we weren't supposed to ask. Is that why? You said you weren't going to ask. I didn't. You just, I didn't ask. I didn't finish it. So take it as you will. I think um, as far as like being intentional about the faith with the kids, like we said, we're both cradle Catholics, but I feel like I love my parents and I'm thankful that they did raise me as a Catholic and incorporated the faith into part of our lives. But I feel like there was something lacking mm-hmm. and that just like the joy in being Catholic and helping them to understand it's not just a bunch of rules. And so like when Vaughn talks about what he wants to be, he's going to be a train conductor and a mass server and a chef, like all in <laughs> one. And he's just like, that's so what's like normal awesome. to him. Um, and just like Colby sees the cross and he's starting to say Jesus and he sees mm-hmm. him on there and he's just mm-hmm. like Jesus up there. Um, even Gianna just like gets her little smiles about certain things when mm. they say brothers and sisters and one of the readings at mass, like she'll give us a little look because we mm. know like that's just the phrase we chose to pay attention to when it comes up. But um, yeah, I just, mm. I think we don't want them to have any missed time on mm. better understanding the beauty and the truth of the church. Mm. Yeah. And just to piggyback off what Ellen said is just one of the things that um, I'll, I'll say like, Four or five years ago, you know, we thought we were doing good um, with, we thought we were, we were, we were the typical mass goers. We were the typical Catholic family. And, um, but I would say that we've really, and I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but we've really ramped up our Catholicism. And we thought we, we thought we were doing pretty good until we see the Schleter family (laughs) (laughs) who are so imperfect, but yet, (laughs) (laughs) but no, and I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to, but the, the, the relationship that we have with you and with mass impact and what mass impact has done for us. And that's why when just over the last three years, really our relationship has grown as a brother and sister in Christ with us. And, um, to see that, to, to raise our, what we thought the bar was, we were doing pretty good, but to raise that bar higher, um, knowing that you guys, I know are humble and, and won't, yeah, I know that. And I'm making you blush now, Stephanie, I know, but which I know you're perfect, but I mean, uh, the fact that we are able to, to, to go deeper, 
um, with our kids and not feel awkward about it. Um, so many times as Catholics, we, you know, the, the whole idea of, and it freaked me out a little bit and people call it charismatic. You can call it whatever you want to, but like praying over somebody, praying over my own children. The fact that I can give my children a blessing every single day as a father, as a mother, that she could do the same thing. So in those moments of, uh, kid gets your room, stop yelling, let go of your sister. Uh, you could say, come Holy Spirit and, 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 and pray with them. And every night we try to, you know, we say prayer ritual and all that stuff, but we try to get, we're trying to get more deeper um, with the whole, you know, what can we pray? What do you want to pray for? Who do you want to pray for? Um, when we do a rosary going a little bit deeper. Um, so thank you. First off, thank you. Thank you to Miss Aunt Mass Impact, honestly, because Mm -hmm. you've made us stronger Catholics. Well, thank you guys. It's, it's ditto. It's right back to you. And just for the benefit of our audience, um, it's really opening the doors to receive God's Mm. grace and, uh, having the audacity. It's just a good word, audacity, to say, God, we want to make this time sacred to receive you. And last year, you guys were involved with, I think, the first three seasons mm-hmm. of Lit Group, so yeah. seven consecutive weeks. Yeah. And folks, the image of that, um, ideally in your family you want to do it, but to do it as couples, we've done this. And so what would you have? You'd come together as couples. In our case, we'd have mm-hmm. ten of us, and uh, we'd open in prayer and break up into men and women often. And certain times, we'd even pray over our wives. Mm-hmm. I mean, how awesome. And even to put brothers brothers or sisters on the spot and have them lead prayer and how the Holy Spirit anoints them. Now there's that sense of, oh, no, not me. But 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 the comfort level of doing that and then, wow, God did what? And uh, the other day, Walt was telling us about I said, Walt, you know, do this with your little kids. Have them pray over one another. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's familiar enough with praying over, but he was so overwhelmed by how his little Eve, the other ones were in bed, but Eve, who is what? five five years old, you know, without reserve, put her hand on her sister's shoulder and, and God just anointed her to pray over his sibling. Yeah. We just too often maybe don't open the doors, yeah. have the audacity to open the doors to receive God's grace and to believe he can work through, sorry, a mess like us. Yeah. But without yeah. knowing we're a mess, we wouldn't need a Messiah. And folks, I just pronounced that. It's okay that uh, we are incomplete and imperfect and a mess. God wants to work through that. So yeah. as we're landing here tonight, I just again invite all who are listening tonight, how important it is to have a community, to have um, yeah. brothers and sisters, married families that you associate yourself with, that are occasions of encouragement, support, and even challenge um, on this journey for the kingdom. So let's um, end this in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord Jesus, there's no words we can say that surpass you who are the word. We who are always ministering in some capacity at work, certainly in our homes, we desire to receive your grace to be ministered to. Awaken us to who we are in you, Jesus, in abundance, that it would overflow to our spouses, our families, and the world around us. For your glory, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.